Hello and welcome, fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're going to pull back the curtain a little to talk about the unique planning process that we call Plantopia. Jazz <laughs> hands. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I am immediately, I realized, I'm going to screw your whole life up here. I realized before we even get into that, and mm. yes, I know I prepared a script. I didn't put this in the script That's because okay. I'm a monster. It's your world, Sue. Speaking of monsters, this is going to release on Halloween. Oh, nice. So I thought before we jumped into it, mm-hmm. I would ask you a non topic related question. Hit me. I'm ready. Tell me your fondest Halloween memory. Oh, man. Well, gosh, that's tough to beat. Um, I mean, it's really tough to pick anything other than our son Charlie's first oh. Halloween. Just because, like, you know, mm-hmm. they're cute as ever when you put him in. I think that we had, um, he had, like, a zip-up sweatshirt that was, like, a a lion sweatshirt and like the hood had like a mane that went around it and everything, you know? So it wasn't a costume. It just, you know, it's like, Hey, you should be a lion. Cause this is really easy for us. You know? <laughs> and, I, us. and I think it was pretty cold that year. So it just like made sense to layer him up in that. And, you know, and he was, well, let's see, he would have been, yeah, he would have been about a year. He was walking, um, but you know, like mm-hmm. walking like a one-year-old does. So I'm sure we pulled him around in a wagon right. or something, but so I can't, as much as this is my fondest memory, I can't remember the details very well, <laughs> other than the fact that he was stinking cute and, you know, like so many other things with kids when you do it with them for the first time or, um, you know, enjoy those life moments that they get to enjoy. You kind of get to relive them yourself, you know? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it's pretty tough to choose anything other than that. We're going to be doing... Um, Spider-Man themed costumes this year. Um, Charlie got the new Spider-Man 2099 theme from the upcoming uh, Across the Multiverse movie that's coming out in uh, July of 2023 at your local movie theater. (laughs) Um, But we're super excited about it, actually, and he's pretty jacked about Spider-Man 2099. So Olive is going to be the... um, Spider Pig from that, oh, yeah, right. That so, is awesome. Pretty awesome, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll be creating some more awesome memories when this one drops on Halloween. It's fantastic. Yeah, love it. How about you? Yeah, no, similar. I was really trying to think of knowing that I was prepared for this question. <laughs> I was trying to think of a like a time from childhood, hmm. but really the the core memory that I have would be my middle child's first Halloween Mm -hmm. because I can remember, what I distinctly remember is it was like 75 degrees that day. So it was this perfect, you know, and our oldest would have been five. Mm -hmm. So he was finally at that age where he could really truck yeah. You know, so we could go stroller and then a guy really trucking along and the weather was perfect (laughs) And it just was, like, we walked miles and miles. Mm -hmm. And it was so good. It was so good to finally, like, be in that that real kid trick-or-treating experience where he was Mm -hmm. walking up to the door and saying trick-or-treat and, you know, doing the things instead of being dragged by me. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. 
That's cool. Yeah. It, man, with kids, it's just extra special for sure. And I guess on that note, and since we're on the topic of Halloween, because I love Halloween. Because why not? Yeah, yeah, why not, right? Um, another memory that um, maybe it is a little bit of a look into my personality or um, who I am. I, I distinctly remember the joy I got out of sorting the candy back in the day. You know, you oh, come home okay. with a bucket and then you like yeah. put all the things together and then you'd like start bargaining with your siblings. I'll give you these eight Smarties if I get that one Snicker bar or whatever, right? Um, so that was always really fun. And um, I've actually like, Halloween and I have had a weird relationship. I remember <laughs> loving it as a kid, like dressing up and stuff. And then Probably when I hit about middle school or, you know, early high school or something, I was just like, you know, too cool for school and, you know, <laughs> dressing up was just weird or whatever, right? And so I remember like for a while being like, yeah, Halloween, I don't care, you know, whatever. But then uh, my wife, uh, she loves Halloween. So we've really like, you know, we've we, not that we've gone all, all out every year, but we always dress up and, you mm-hmm. know, do something. And then with kids, obviously, we're trying to provide the best experience for them. So um, I, I love Halloween now. And still love like sorting the candy, and this is a weird, another little weird uh, Ben fun fact, is um, I've recently found and gotten confirmation that my favorite part of carving pumpkins is the cutting the hole in the top and doing that as nicely and neatly as I can, so it sits just perfect. And being mindful of which way the stem curls and all of those things, and the scooping of the guts and the scraping needlessly clean, making a needlessly clean inside of a jack-o'-lantern, like scraping it nice and perfect and getting all the last gooey, stringy stuff and making it just pristine in there. And then from there, I'm like, okay, go ahead, carve what you want. You know, like <laughs> I, like the actual carving of a jack-o'-lantern or face or whatever you're carving into it, I'm like, yeah, I could do without that. As long as I get to scrape out the inside. Yeah, this pumpkin's Isn't that pristine. Weird? That's what matters. I'm such a weirdo. You know what? You are you are preaching to the choir there, brother, because yeah. that is my favorite. And I've never understood, you know, human beings, especially ones I created, mm-hmm. that don't get every last string, that like, right. do not have that pristine, perfect inside of a They're pumpkin. Mo- I know. What, yeah. are, what are we even doing? They're here? the real monsters of Halloween. <laughs> The people that leave the stringiness inside right, of the jack Right, you gotta make that just perfect Gosh. and white. Yeah, just get it. It's oh, a beautiful yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, you nailed it. Cool. All right. Well, I saw a woman do it with a blender, with uh, a hand blender. Oh, genius! Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, I like a good big metal spoon. Mm, that helps okay, me get yeah. it. You know, I can dig into it a little bit. You know, get that extra layer off and right. keep it nice and smooth. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. So we should probably remind our guests what this podcast uh, is about. Yeah. Because it's not about Halloween. It's not about Halloween, even though it's happening on Halloween. (laughs) uh, It is about uh, this process that we call Plantopia. And probably the first thing we should talk about is that name. Uh, And then we can dive into the what, why, how, here, there, whatever. From there. So why do we call it Plantopia, and can you even remember? Uh, yeah, great question. No, I can't remember. Um, I mean, I remember as much as that, you know, we knew we wanted to do planning, and we wanted it to feel different at least and, you know, be different than just gathering around the small round table and 
looking at a calendar or something, right? You know, we wanted mm-hmm. it to be more than that. And so it starts with the name, right? So let's make the name fun. And right. uh, hopefully that trickles into what we're actually doing and stuff. But I don't remember like why Plantopia over Planapalooza or whose idea it was or anything, but also a great name for planning, right? It's funny you say that because I, I was sitting here thinking like that, that really, those are our two go-tos. Yeah, it right. was either going to be Plantopia or yeah. Planapalooza. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. But hey, Plantopia works and it worked well. But, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, why, why do we call it Plantopia? Uh, I think it definitely is to just help set the mood for planning, which is important, um, but we're going to do it in a way that's a bit more creative and fun, engaging. And um, I suppose that's what we're here to talk about today is yeah. how and why we do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in future focused and thinking about ideal world and sure. utopia right. is the other half of that word. Yeah. And it just felt yeah. really, I think, really futuristic and cool. And You know, that's probably why we didn't go with uh, Planapalooza because everybody probably just would have thought we were like having a kegger or something. Yeah. You know, which, yeah, yeah. which listen, I mean, maybe we nothing are. Nothing wrong in that. Yeah. <laughs> just we want people to know that we're actually working. So, right. Yeah. right. Right. Makes sense. Okay. So um, anything else about the origin of Plantopia that you were hoping to uh, recall or make up? Yeah. No, <laughs> let's, let's just make up some of the good stuff here. I mean... I, so we've been doing it, how long have you been here? Six years? Six years, yeah. And yeah, I mean, pretty much every year. Maybe I mean, I started in October, so we probably just did some different version of planning that first late fall, early winter, yeah. just to like get us set for right. what that would have been 2017. But then, yeah, since then, though, for sure, we've been doing some version of Plantopia. Right. And the the... Uh, scheduling is deliberately sort of in and around, but before strategic planning and right, right around budget yeah. time. Amidst and, budget time, maybe yeah. slightly before if we can help it. Yeah. 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 Right. And deliberately trying to get sort of a jump on any other planning that's happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and there's purpose to all that, right? Like the logical one is budgeting, right? Like, you know, let's get some big, hairy ideas out there in planning or, you know, at least be aware of some things that have come to mind so that when we have to submit our budget or that first draft budget where, you know, we've maybe got some of those things that we've talked about included in there. And then, I, I don't know, I'm, it just feels right to be first in, as far as, you know, being out ahead of any other planning, you mm-hmm. know, Um so that when we go into those other planning sessions, whether it's organizational-wide strategic planning or planning with another department to helping them build out their plan, we've got some ideas already rolling around in our heads, some things that we've talked about um, so that we can say, yeah, we thought of that first. I don't know. Why else do we want to be first, right? <laughs> I mean, it's more than that for sure, but but also there is some value in saying like, hey, we've talked about that already, so let's go, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. 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 Well, and I think what's... Uh, what's distinctive about what we do with Plantopia, which also we should probably get into that and explain that, um, really is this idea that it's a combination. It's not just strategic planning. It's not just budgeting. But it's all of that in consideration and then thinking about, you know, what what are the sandboxes we want to play in? What are the things we want to do as a marketing team? And uh, if we know things we want to try then it we can connect that to things other people want to do. 
you know, mm-hmm. new ideas, new platforms, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And, you know, what, what do we want to commit to for ourselves mm-hmm. yeah. and, and agree on? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about how Plantopia is different than planning that you've done before and you've held, you know, several different positions within the credit union and, um, you know, your, your role has changed and you've seen different departments and stuff. So we should definitely talk about that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's helpful to talk, and this is me asking genuinely, I'm not saying this is what we should do right now. Do you think it would be helpful to talk about like what's different about Plantopia or like how, what our vision for it was and is and how that's changed or um, start with your experience? And it's your call. You can answer that question however you want. I am going to answer it in pig Latin. Perfect. No, I'm not. In pig. That would be too hard. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about what it is first. Okay. And then, yeah, then we can get to that. Yeah. Poorly placed, but prescripted question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the different aspects of Plantopia that might make it a bit different than traditional strategic planning right. or right. that that like looking at a calendar, scheduling out campaigns. You know, and I guess that's another thing we should probably mention for the sake of our listeners is. We're a marketing team, right? So, um, you know, as we look at calendars and think about campaigns and stuff, like there is a scheduling aspect that we always have to be aware of. Similar, I suppose, to other departments where there's, you know, uh, ebbs and flows of the seasons and certain things just logically happen during different times of the year. But, you know, in particular for us, when we have deliverables like creative and all that stuff, like we really need to be mindful of the calendar. Um But yeah, I think one thing that has made Plantopia different and we've always like, we've never done the same thing. We're always like trying to do something different or add a little extra magic sauce onto that stuff is the food that we order. No, I'm just kidding. It's (laughs) it's not the food that we order, but we we try to do some kind of brain food sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's like an experience somewhere, like let's go and learn about this business and what they do and see their operation. And maybe it's something marketing adjacent, maybe not, um, you know, kind of like a, an offsite sort of adventure. Let's go see something that might inspire us or at least warm up our brains a little bit. Right. Um, sometimes it's something like that where we're interacting with another group, another organization, or it might just be an activity that we're doing during the day. Same, same thing, same purpose, Mm -hmm. right. To either, create some inspiration that we might not get by um, talking about precisely what we do or um, or it might be um, something that just is a warm-up for our mind. Yes, all of that. And I think that really brings this different, a different flavor to what our expectations are for the day because it makes, I, I always feel like, those kinds of warm-ups or brain food or off-site visits really leave us open to possibilities in a different way. Mm-hmm. And especially knowing that we go into that deliberately to open up our little fertile brains yeah. and be and be ready for the ideas that that brings you. Yeah. Yeah. 
So because my uh, long-term memory is, I don't know, I don't know what animal in the uh, animal kingdom has terrible long-term memory, but I'll compare mine to that. Uh, How about know, a goldfish? A goldfish? Yeah, a yeah. goldfish, right? <laughs> um, so um, all that I can recall off the top of my head at this moment is what we did literally last week. Wow. <laughs> Um, where we, you know, did that, a cool activity. That I, I, don't know, I feel like you should talk about can it stand it. I think that was really fun and lay it out for folks and talk about the why. Like, why would we spend time doing that? So are we there already? Should we talk about stand it or can it? I don't know. Am I jumping too far ahead? I don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I think is... it's an example of a thing that makes our planning different. Yeah. So. yeah. so I, I made notes. Oh, yeah. So, should okay. I read the notes? No, you don't have to know. I'm saying, so what we did for this, and as Ben mentioned, it's a little bit different every year. We always try to make it off-site. That is a, yeah. um, that's one commonality. Uh, the pandemic was a little bit different. We did did it a little differently that way, but we were able to be back together and, uh, and off-site this year, and we broke our day out into four sections this time, mm-hmm. and those sections were process, culture, output, and goals. And so we tried to start off each half of the day uh, with something that would set us up for success moving into those sort of ways of thinking and the things we were going to discuss. So afternoon was output where we're talking about the projects that we did, why did we love them, why did we not love some of the things we did, and we had this plan to look at um, the commonalities of the things that we really love to do and that were successful or the things that we didn't love to do and maybe weren't so successful. And spoilers, we found some things that lived right in the middle of that. We loved to do it, but it wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then to finish out the day with goals. So we did a an exercise that we named Stand It or Can It. It was going to be to love or to leave it, but I did uh, check with one of the one of my professional youths on the team <laughs> and said, I want to brand this standard or can it, is that lame? <laughs> or is that cool and clever? And Nick was kind enough to say it was cool and clever. Nice. So Thanks, Nick. I'm like, thank you, yeah. professional young person. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you don't know what it means to stand something, that means you're an obsessive fan of it. You really, really love it. And to can it just means get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, so before we talked about the projects that were that we were going to either stand or can, we did a game, game, game. Yeah. You can't, you couldn't lose it, which is our favorite kind of game. Right. Where we like everybody got to write down some of their uh, secret stands, their things that they were big fans of that they thought other people weren't. And we put two of those on separate sheets of paper, and we lined the rest of the team up behind the person who was uh, who was sharing their secret stand. And so we would uh, turn around and show the group what the thing was, and then turn our backs to them and let them choose. We had Stan it on one side, can it on the other, up on the wall. Mm-hmm. so that people could line up where they were and gave everybody an opportunity to find out who likes some of the things, some of the weird things we like, find out that we have some convincing to do maybe to like the things that we like. Mm-hmm. And 
Let me think. So some of the examples were pickled eggs. Pickled eggs. Lots of odd foods. Yeah. Um, we, we did. We had a lot of odd foods. Pickled eggs, pickled herring on crackers. Yeah. On saltines, specifically on saltines, is yep, what I remember. Right. Yeah. What else? Cannibal, cannibal sa- sandwich. Cannibal sandwiches. That's all I can remember. Yeah. Well, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> but And then TV shows and movies. Yeah. And a certain director that someone who co-hosts this podcast is major stan yeah. for. Yeah. It's kind of weird, actually, like how... So it's spoiler alert. It's Christopher Nolan. For some reason, it's like I, I probably will never watch another Christopher Nolan movie and not love it because I'm just like that biased, which is probably not fair. <clears throat> I should be a little bit more critical, but I really have just loved like everything that he's put out recently. And going back, actually, after knowing who he was and knowing some of his earlier movies, I like them all. But anyways, that's for another Another episode. <laughs> That's the Christopher Nolan episode yeah, that yeah. we'll do later. But it was really fun and dual purpose, right? Like it warmed us up for the next thing we were going to do, which was standard or can it for real stuff that we were mm-hmm. doing as a team. We got to learn a little bit about each other, learn, you know, about some commonalities that we had amongst each other and everything. And it was just fun, right? And I think any time that you're doing something like planning, which I don't know, is plan a four-letter word? I know it's a four-letter word, but <laughs> is it a word that like people, when they hear it, they're like, oh, God, planning, you know? Right. Actually, I should say I was in another strategic planning organization or um, meeting with for another organization over the weekend, um, our local community foundation, and one of our board members compared strategic planning to a dental visit. Wow. Right. Which, you know, his... Um, the, the takeaway wasn't so much like hate it, dread it, I'm in pain, you know, mm-hmm. there's a drill, anything like that, but more like, you know, you, you maybe maybe you do like dread it or put it off or not do it as often as you should and those kinds of things, but every time you do it, you walk away with clean teeth, feeling better, you know, and so there is something about planning that I think is like renewing, refreshing and stuff, mm-hmm. but um, I think some people definitely dread it. I think folks like you and I really like it, not to say that we don't, put it off or plan a little late or, you know, anything mm-hmm. like that. And I guess I'm certainly speaking for myself on that, but, um, but I, I, I do look forward to it and I always feel better afterwards. Right. Whereas the dentist, eh, not so much. I don't always look forward to it. <laughs> I do, I do like the idea of having clean teeth, but I, that doesn't make me look forward to the visit for sure. Right. Right. But. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there is something about, and maybe it's not just our jobs, uh, but certainly in our work, there's sort of a chaotic good to everything we do. Like we're everything's constantly in motion hmm. and we're constantly moving, you know, hopefully moving forward. We're moving separate little things forward all of the time. And to be able to stop for a day or like in this case, this year we'll do two days mm-hmm. uh, to be able to stop for that time and not be thinking about all of the 7 million things that need to be constantly moving forward at different stages, but to really think big picture, look at the future, think about the past and, you know, try and reconcile those two things and see how you can get your, where you want to go. That's so, you know, that is like a dental visit in a good way. That excites me so much. And I think also, you know, there's this thing in me, the thing that makes me not able to, uh, 
participate in an appropriate manner in networking events because, <laughs> you know, the questions I have for people are not, oh, well, what do you do? You know, how, how long have you all been in business or those things? My questions, well, you witnessed one of them. Like, what's your karaoke song if you go to karaoke, <laughs> right? Why so, are you the way you are? <laughs> right. Yeah, she digs right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how is your relationship with your dad? <laughs> But you know, I'm I'm always so much more interested in, like the, the roots of things and the you know to get into a deep discussion about things, and when I have, attended strategic planning that doesn't do that, because I think we probably you know we've, volunteered for and you know worked for other organizations, in the past and sometimes you go into strategic planning and you're like, ah, we didn't really even talk about anything that. We could change, we could fix, we could do better, we could improve. We yeah. just, people came in, sometimes people come in with these, with anecdotal evidence, biases, right. you know, and they, they come, come in with their own agenda and say, well, we're just going to increase everything 10%. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're done with strategic planning. Right. But that's not strategic planning. That's, yeah. I don't, math. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let's be real. Who likes math? Right. Certainly not us. Not us. Probably the CPAs on the team do that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, some of the, you know, root cause of things and getting getting a little deeper. And, um, yeah, I think that's a nice segue into how ours has changed or different things that we've done mm -hmm. over the years. And we've done, you know, like one tool that you commonly see in, uh, strategic planning is a SWOT analysis, right? And we've had that play a role in our day either by being like a small activity that's contributing to the other information or activities that we're doing throughout the day. Or, um, you know, recently we've done a SWOT and that's kind of been the structure that's like informed our whole day. You know, we mm -hmm. you know really dive into each section of, so strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats for people that maybe haven't done a SWOT analysis before, but... Um, so, you know, that's just like one example of how ours has changed um, and we're trying to do different things every time that we think about yeah. what Plantopia looks like. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I really like and I think we should right now take credit for saying and say that this is deliberate. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is deliberate. <laughs> but I really feel like every time we go into planning for Plantopia, which also, P.S., for anyone who is thinking this sounds cool, I should do it. You have to plan for Plantopia. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, it is with the intention of dealing with reality, right? Of dealing with, so it's not this, you know, a template every year that we go through the exact same questions or we talk about the same things or it, it really has been a process of where are we at right now and what does that mean our planning should look like? And you know, what are the things we need to talk about? What are the things that we think are on people's minds? Um, and, you know, what are we, what maybe are some of the challenges or barriers we're facing that we need to dig into? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for this year, I felt like, at, you know, day number one was a, ended up being a much more personal sort of experience for everybody. And yeah. which, listen... I think we we respond to we're responding to the team, the world, the things that we need to do, mm -hmm. and reverse if we reverse justify that, man, when can you find a better time than you know 
hopefully coming out of a pandemic, you know, just really this time in the world to think about planning from a really personal place. Mm -hmm. Think about what, you know, some of the things we talked about, improving processes, getting clarity around roles and responsibilities, yeah. talking about culture, yeah. you know, and uh, when we talked about goals, we focused, we did a recap of some of our goals from last year, our team goals, but then we talked, we had a really good conversation about personal growth mm-hmm. instead of, you know, jumping right to what do we think our goals as a department should be. Yeah. So I, I really loved how personal this one was. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Yeah. No, what do I, you think? Yeah, you know, I totally agree. And I think like, sure, the timing out of the pandemic and everything is really logical. You know, the fact that we had to do, was our last planning virtual? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, our right? last, yeah. I th- yeah, right. So, you know, I mean, just super logical opportunity for us to come together and look ahead and to do that um, in person in a really personal way, I think is just really logical, made sense for our team. Might not make sense for every team, but definitely made sense for ours. I think the other um, like justification for doing at least the first session that we did um, is, uh, and the way that we did it, is for a couple years there pre or early pandemic. Um, so definitely before the pandemic, but also maybe that first year when um, COVID first you know, hit the world. Um, we were we had some pretty like mechanical is the word I want to say. I don't know if it's the right word, but we just had some stuff that we knew had to happen, right? A merger that was coming up, um, you know, some like projects or campaigns or goals that the organization had that there was a pretty clear role how marketing would like fit into that. And so we had to kind of like come to our solutions with some preconceived notions or ideas or outcomes already in mind. So some of our plan, I think, was, I don't want to say we were forced into it. Maybe I do want to say that. Like, you know, there were just some plans that we had to make more or less out of necessity um, and not so much out of personal drive, things Mm -hmm. we, you know, cared about that inspire us, that we like doing. Um, So I, I think that planning this year really was a first opportunity to balance out Mm-hmm. some of what we experienced in the last couple of years, which was like COVID forced on us. And when I say forced on us, like nobody else in the organization said, do your planning like this, or right. this is what your plan must look like. But we were just kind of like, yeah, forced into mm-hmm. a, a bit, you know, of course we, sure, in hindsight, we could have maybe um, been more personal in our previous year's planning or, you know, tried to have more fun despite the circumstances and stuff. But I feel like we did what we needed to do with what we had available, you know, and now we've kind of created some of that balance with getting back to in person and that personal experience. So, yeah. um, And since we've done Plantopia for five, six years now, and it's never been the same, uh, it's going to change again next year, you know? Right. Right. So uh, we should have done this at minute five, but let's talk <laughs> about what is it specifically and um, then maybe dive into some of the specific stuff we talked about this year. And I think we, we have an opportunity to tease something for next year that we're going to try here with the podcast. So mm. exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So specifically... It is uh, intentionally an offsite experience through the pandemic. Again, we had to 
go virtual. I guess technically we were off-site all of the time at that yeah, point. Right. So we were never on-site. <laughs> um, and we have, as it has evolved, and we should also talk about why it evolves. Sure. We'll get there. We're going to get it all. Yeah. It's a good time. Uh, as it has evolved, it has, uh, every different piece of the day has changed every single time. And how we've handled it has changed every single time. But the things that stay constant are that it's an offsite. We try to have the work part of it, keep that engaging, keep it fun, keep people interested, and then also have the brain food part mm-hmm. of it right. and to really intentionally make it a good experience for people. We don't want people to dread this thing. Right. Um, and I think, by and large, we've been successful not making it something people dread. Yeah. I think we've had people on the team that dreaded it. Sure, definitely. <laughs> In the yeah. past. But, uh, so, I mean, that's what it is. It's a day, full day. I think, this is too many details. One year, it was four half days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this year, our plan is, you know, we had day one, which was last week, and it was this big, wide open, expand your mind sort of day. And then we will take what we got out of that day right. and, you know, hone it down to plans and what all of that means and what we want to do. And and some of those things, like talking about those personal goals, those will go into coaching for next year. And right. we'll be talking about those all year long. Yeah. So that's that's my ex- explanation of Plantopia in a nutshell. Right, yeah. And you've hit some of the constants, some of the, like, maybe we call them non-negotiables, like we're, we're always going to do something off-site, we're always going to have some element of brain food. So some of those things have stayed consistent, even though, you know, there's some variables there too, right? Um, some things that have changed, um, you know, besides like the format, the amount of time we dedicate to it, or if it's four half days or one full day or two full days, you know, certainly we're, we've tinkered with the amount of time. Um, and really at the end of the day, that's just all about like, how can we be most effective when we're doing it? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we need two full days and to do those too close to each other means bringing people a bunch of stress and wondering how they're going to get their job done because they have to dedicate two full days to planning, well, then maybe we need to try four half days, which is a thing that we tried. And, you know, now we're back to, you know, more of a full dedicated day thing and um, pros and cons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that has changed a bit is our uh, like intentional interaction with other teams oh, during yeah. planning, right? Like, you know, I think one of the first years we did it, we set aside an hour, maybe plus, with every other department within the organization to kind of like fact find and get their goals and, you know, um, talk about what they want to do next year and how we might fit into that or specific needs from us, right? Just good conversation to have with each team. And then we took all of that and brought it together with our own plans and made a, you know, made a plan out of that. And again, pros and cons, right? There were some things about that that were great, like the opportunity to talk with every department head and maybe some people on their team, um, you know, really valuable conversation there for sure. But 
really valuable most of the time because the thing that we also found and going back to how we maybe like to do this a bit on the earlier side, you know, ahead of strategic planning, ahead of budget or in the middle of budget, um, is that some of the teams that we met with like hadn't really thought about next year quite much, you know, yet, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, maybe they've thought about it, but certainly had no formal plans or um, were kind of like building the plane as they were flying it, you know, right. during that meeting with us, you know, so... So again, pros and cons there, you know, it was nice to have that conversation with everyone, but also like, I think we caught some people off guard and, um, and admittedly too much information sometimes like, you know, Mm. you're getting that kind of feedback from every single department to try and squeeze that into a plan that's specific enough to us and doable. It was really, really difficult, you know, so there's a sweet spot and I don't know if we've yet found it, but we'll keep modifying. Maybe this year. Yeah, maybe, maybe this, this is year. it. Yeah. Maybe this is the we'll one. See. Yeah. Yeah. No, with that, those earlier ones where we were getting all of that feedback, not only did we make ourselves a whole bunch of work, yeah. I think we ended up frustrating ourselves because we went in hoping, you know, with the, with the intention that people would be, if we gave them some, gave them a little bit of groundwork to look at, gave them, you know, couched all of that conversation for them, they'd come in ready mm-hmm. and that what they would say in that conversation <coughs> would uh, happen. <laughs> and then when things didn't happen or we had some people that uh, said, nope, nope, nothing, nothing, nothing at all from us and then had very, very many things. Right. I mean, it's people get to ask for things. That's part of uh, part of the way that we do our jobs, but yeah. we we ended up create we created that frustration for ourselves. I right. think. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah. Any other big changes that are coming to mind that are worth sharing? Man, I think the intention of it has always been the same. I think. Yeah, the scheduling roughly. Right. Roughly has always been the same. Mm-hmm. And it really is one of those things. I, you know, come to think of it, one of the points I wanted to make sure we talked about was this idea that it has changed every single year. And the reason I think it has changed every single year, besides, you know, that idea that we're, we're responding to reality, responding to what we need to do in the moment, is that this is one of those ideas that we know is good and we are continuing to hone it. Mm. So it's something that, hey, man, if you stick with something, right? Yeah. And if you, if you think it's a good idea and can stick with it until you can make it work, kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't think, I think that's something that not just people in marketing, people across every industry think they have a good idea, probably do have a good idea, try and implement it one way, doesn't work that way, or there's wonkiness. Yeah. Um, because P.S., you know, here we're talking about planning. We're talking about essentially a day of just people, right? <laughs> and inherent in bringing people together is always going to be wonkiness. Yeah. So if you just, if you say, wow, that, you know, I was grumpy because the pop was warm. 
we're never going to do that again. Like yeah. you are not giving, you're not working through to hone that thing until it's right. You know, doing the thing that you need to do. Yeah, oh, such a great point. In that, like, you know, you can come up with a plan for what plan for the plan, right? Um, create activities, give this off-site brain food kind of experience. But man, if you caught somebody, you know the the week after their dog dies, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's might not have anything to do with the structure you built, the plan that you're trying to create or the activities that you're doing. It might just be you caught somebody at the wrong time. Right. And so that's an interesting observation that we're kind of aware. I mean, we, I think we do our best to be, you know, this is empathy we're talking about, right? Like mm-hmm. being aware of, you know, what other people are seeing and experiencing and hearing and, um, you know, sometimes it disrupts our plans, whether we're talking about planning for the year or how a campaign goes or how something that we create is received, you know, like mm-hmm. lots of, we should be used to it enough by now that of course, like that shouldn't surprise me to hear you uh, talk about that. But I think it's an important uh, point to call out for sure. Yeah. Well, and somehow, and we should talk about this more as we talk about the next phase of this planning and what we do next year, somehow yeah. this year, I think we managed to not fall in a trap that we've fallen into before, which is rehashing a whole bunch of junk, mm. right? Yeah. We There was something about the combination of conversations we had, the things that we focused on, that we did not end up... Eh, there was maybe one... There were one or two projects where... I, but we put them in a place. Like, they had... That was the... Yep. These are the things we would can. <laughs> right, yeah. So they had their place. And in the past, we have this recency bias where, you know, if we start, we have started the day with brainstorming and, and hey, man, I will take partial responsibility for every single year this happened. Somebody comes in, somebody comes in with a chip on their shoulder about something. Mm. And then all the rest of the day is like, oh, yeah, well, but people do that thing. Right. 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 And we somehow this year, um, the combination of things we did, we just steered right around that in a pretty clean way. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was definitely cool. And I think two contributing factors to how it went this year. One, just the structure, right? Like the stand at Canada activity was an opportunity to say, can it? And then let's move on to the next thing. So we didn't mm-hmm. have to dive deep. We didn't have to gripe. We didn't have to say, well, that's not going to work because, you know, insert reason or excuse or whatever. Um, the other thing that I think... Um, I have to imagine helped was how personal the day was, right? Like a lot of the day was um, about who we are as people and how we interact with each other. So like you didn't have to get stuck on, well, this didn't work because that person this or, you know, this didn't work because that thing wasn't on time or, you know, whatever. Um, It was just more like let's acknowledge it learn and let's move forward because right. we're all like people that we just talked about are trying to do the same thing, care about each other, care about the organization. And so, yeah. yeah. And kudos to you for putting that together. Um, Cause I, I do think that that like that structure and the care behind the day is what made it go the way it did this year for sure. I hope so. Nicely done. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. It was fun. Two other things that are, changes that come to mind that I think are just worth mentioning. Um, One was, um, uh, maybe it's only one change. I don't know. Here we go. Um, (laughs) We used to just do like 
um, either the like one day or two day thing scheduled relatively close to each other, or we did like those pre meetings with departments and then we wrapped all that up into our one planning day. Um, and that was kind of it. I think we've always been a rather agile team, but being an agile marketing team is something we've given more attention to lately. We're learning and trying things and just trying to be more agile. Um, and I think because of that, uh, this year we did mid-year Plantopia, if mm-hmm. you remember, right? So um, not to say that we'd never like shifted plans previously or anything, but this was really, I think, the first time where we scheduled it. Like we said, okay, like we're going to do like a big check-in halfway through the year as a team and cut some stuff that needs to go, shift some stuff that is new in our world, and just kind of like, you know, check in and move forward. And through what we're doing through some other quarterly meetings and stuff that we've set up, um, you know, that's really helped us make like an intentional check-in because like being agile and like constantly moving and shifting things around to do what's most important at the right time and with the right people dedicated to it um, is great. But also like every now and then you can get caught up in that because your nose is an inch from the grindstone. And Mm -hmm. so it's important to also like take a step back and say like, hey, are we still on the right track? Do we need to just do a quick temp check? So. So yeah, those are. I think though that's another big change. Just the uh, more frequent planning and um, like that mindful check-in mm-hmm. as a result of that has been, I think, good. And it'll probably continue to change, yeah. or or at least like we'll be more efficient as we keep going. Yeah. Another thing that comes to mind is as you were talking about that, I think that contributed to. Really, how we feel differently, you know, we, we talked as we were planning it about, you know, sometimes we, like, we are really, like, dragging ourselves into Plantopia, and it is, like, the year has kind of crushed us. Sure. And yeah. uh, this year, I think we were excited about it. We were feeling good about what we knew, all of that stuff, um, and feeling hopeful. And I think that that is partially because we've been way more mindful about advocating for ourselves, mm. advocating for what we do, advocating, you know, and encouraging the team to, you know, if you're right, you're right. And like with us too, to say, you know what, if this is my opinion, but if you, if that's your thing and that's your responsibility to make that decision and you're right, yeah. don't let me stand in your way. Right. You know? Yeah. So I think having that level, you know, feeling that level of agency, mm-hmm. And really focusing on things that, you know, like thinking about the culture exercise that we did and talking about culture, thinking about things that not only we want mm-hmm. uh, in as we continue to build the culture around ourselves, but things that we can make practical steps towards right. and feeling really hopeful that, yeah, like let's pick things that we actually have agency over right. or that we are going to... You know, we we are going to advocate to the people we need to advocate to and say, hey, we're going to take agency here yeah. because this is what we need to be happy, healthy. And you want us to keep working, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And for some of the stuff that we don't have the agency for or over or, um, you know, the, the amount of control we have is on the lower end, you know, at least having the conversation and saying, like, this is important enough to us, that's super valuable feedback that we need to share, you know? So, and if we never make the space to talk about it, then it's certainly not going to go anywhere. So, yeah. 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 Cool. 
So how would we suggest that other people implement something like this? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. Well, um, whether it's us or somebody else, like I think a super valuable first step is like talk to someone or let someone help you with it, you know? Um, you know what, if, what if they called us? What if they called us? Then yeah. we would say, we would love to help then you. They could, they could call us <laughs> and we could help them. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I do think sometimes the outside perspective or somebody to help hold you accountable or, you know, mm. give you the nudge to actually do the thing. Because this, I hope that this all sounds good to some people, but, you know, then it goes away because you're on to the next thing in your day and it's like, oh yeah, that's the thing I wanted to change for this year. Well, let's just do what we did last year, you know? So, um, so I think accountability and if that can't happen within having somebody help you with that, I think is an important first step. Um, you know, I think another thing is one way or another, getting a pulse of your team, um, maybe getting some initial feedback from your team, like what might be motivational to them. Um, is there something they're hoping to learn? Um, what do they care about? So kind of, uh, you know, doing, whether it's an actual activity or a survey or something, um, you know, doing something so that you are getting the voice of the people that are going to be participating in this mm-hmm. thing being heard, you know, um, cause if you just plan this day kind of in rogue or in a silo, you could totally miss the mark and, or at least wind up spending time that isn't super effective. And I think that that's why we've made some of the changes we've made is, you know, we've looked back and said, yeah, we can probably do that better. Meeting with each department is nice, but also is that the best use of our time, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah. What else? What, what do you think? Uh, I think, I think it's important to think about this, think about something like this planning as separate, but, uh, wrapped around and wrapped into budgeting and strategic plan. And I think, you know, thinking back to when we started this, maybe there was some concern that this was a little bit redundant for us to do our own planning and then there's strategic planning and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it, I've never felt like it was redundant. Right. Especially when, because it gives us an opportunity to, you know, really turn to everybody on the team and say, like, what, what do you want? What do you want to do? What do you, you know, what are the big projects that you want to try? Or what's a new skill yeah. that you know, by the end of the year you could have because we will have tried something that helps you build it? Yeah. You know, and that's absolutely, there. you can't even measure the valuableness of that. Right, yeah. Uh, to it, be, and to have, to give everyone on the team the opportunity to say that out loud and then get supported. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you might need to dig that out of some people or it might not ever totally come out or come Mm -hmm. out at all. Right. And I think that's something you got to be comfortable with too. At some, you know, there's, there's things you can do to make sure that everybody has a voice and everybody has to contribute. Um, sometimes that can feel super forced, but if you create the environment where the expectation is you have to share and they're actually doing that where they feel welcome to and empowered to or confident, you know, whatever, um, that's really important. But also everybody's different, right? Right. So like you're not, everyone's going to be the star contributor that, you know, when you do the activity with the post-it notes, you get 50 post-it notes. Like some people might give you three, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, but that's just 
either who they are or like we were talking about earlier, the circumstances around them have put them in a place where they're just not feeling it today or whatever. Not to say that's an excuse or anyone should feel left behind because we definitely want to try and make sure everyone's contributing, but also like you got to be comfortable that it's going to be at all kinds of levels. Right. So. Right. Well, and it, it was helpful for us. Uh, we, we already know that there are some people on the team who, and you know what? None of them listen to this podcast. So we can say whatever we want. <laughs> we can we say want. whatever we want. About them. Should we call them out by name? <laughs> we should. We'll include their pictures. Yeah. Uh, but there are some people on our team that we know are more introverted that we, you know, we are watching during meetings because we know, you know, for whatever reason, something's going to come up that we know they have an opinion on. Yeah. Uh, but we have to draw it out. For sure. Right. So, you know, we, we're lucky that we go into it because we work with them and do that thing yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know, that we have that awareness. So, you know, I, I guess that that is good advice if you're thinking, if you're listening to this as an HR person or a training person or someone who is saying, oh, there's a team in my organization that should do this. And I think I would like to, I would like to present that for them. I would, you know, I, I would like to handle that for them uh, to, we, you know, we go in with innate awareness yeah. to these kinds of things. So that's something to be super mindful of. Yeah. Because exactly to your point, to do it in a ham-handed way or a way that's going to make them uncomfortable or, you know, something that's going to make them close down right. can be really damaging yeah. to the trust. Yeah, yeah, with that person and then they're put in a position to maybe um, show a side of them that they really aren't or that other people might experience and be their only experience with them or one of few right. and now that somebody's put in a bucket, right? Right. Yeah. Another thing that I think would be helpful for anyone wanting to get started is um, get some permission or mm-hmm. uh, maybe, a, maybe a better word is buy-in, right? Because this is a time dedication. It's a resource dedication. And, you know, it's at least time, but, you know, you're also like maybe buying food or maybe renting a place, you know, paying a little bit of money to have a space or something. Um, of course, there's ways around that. You can get super cheap food or, you know, you right. can maybe find a place that will give it to you for free or super cheap or even if it's just in your same facility but just somewhere that you never hang out or meet, you know, like just go somewhere different. But, um, you know, sometimes there's a cost associated with that or the food or, and like I said, it's very least the time. So, um, you know, if there's someone that, you know, needs to be aware of that, make sure that they know that you're doing it and and not just for permission. So I'm actually like really regretting that permissions word that I use, but mm-hmm. you know, buy it, like let them know why you're doing this and you know, the value that it'll bring to your team. And at the end of the day, the whole organization, you know, and, um, you know, then, then you've got support from people that are going to wind up interacting with what the outcome is of your day, the plan or, you know, the conversations that you've had. So, um, don't hide it. Don't hide right. that you do it. Because it's yeah. important. And also, P.S., if you are willing to dedicate the time and capacity to do something like this with your team and you're going into it with open mind and empathy and, uh, you know, this, you should be proud you're doing this for your team. Hmm. You really, really should. Yeah. Because people, I think, uh, it's a common issue with, employees that they don't feel heard and that you know every time every time we do a survey communication comes up right 
And uh, so this one-on-one opportunity is, you know, it's really, really important, and it helps people mm-hmm. yeah. to be heard if it's done well. Right. Yeah. And plan it. Man, I think we have, every year we've planned it a little tighter. Mm. And I think we are, we're just getting into that sweet spot where we know where the bumpers are in that lane. Yeah. Right? And you, you want to plan, but with without being rigid. Right. Right. Or planning to create an outcome, right? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. You, but to know, like, here's the time we need to use. This is, we're going to do these activities. We're not going to. We've, we've definitely had sessions of this where, uh, where we've spent a lot of time trying to pull information out of people or, I don't know, sort of poking at that same rotten tooth yeah. until we didn't even like it. Yeah. <laughs> you, shouldn't, you really shouldn't use the tooth or dental analogy. Yeah. It's not helping our cause. No, 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 no. Being okay, yeah. sorry. No, I get you, though. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, um, if I do say so myself, lots of great ideas there yeah. on how to get started yeah. or wow, how, how people might go today. This. Yeah, feeling Pretty really good. good. Real good. good. Yeah. Yeah. So the one thing we did not talk about, uh, which now we're, we're running out of time. Right. So we'll... Rapid fire this. Let's go. We're going to rapid fire this and we're going to talk about the... Uh, oh, now I have to remember the name of it. What did, what did I call it? It's the decision matrix. Oh. We should talk a little bit about the decision matrix because that... People don't know it, but that's gonna yeah, uh, that's gonna inform twenty twenty three right here yeah. on the podcast yeah a little bit yeah we should so um, yeah I'll just I'll kick us off you can yeah. get into the details of what it is how we started that activity and maybe what we plan to do with it but I'll just say um, like common challenge in I think any team our team isn't huge um, but it's also not like a two person team. Um, but I think on any team, two-person team, 200-person team, there can be plenty of opportunity for confusion about who's, you know, where's the buck stop or whose mm-hmm. decision is this to make. And, um, you know, we're, we usually find that the further down decisions are pushed, the more shared ownership there is, you know, amongst the team and the more efficient the team runs, the more stuff they get done as, you know, there's more... Um, decision makers that are truly accountable for things um, that, uh, you know, contribute to the whole team mm-hmm. by the decisions that they make. So um, we've experienced this challenge where it's like, is this a Ben thing or a Sue thing? Or is this something I can just decide by myself? Mm-hmm. So to know that this was going to be part of our activity for that day to, you know, kind of get to that, uh, I was going to say root, but now I'm thinking, I'm just only thinking of teeth and dental. <laughs> Goodness gracious. But, uh, you know, to get to that, um, you know, clear answer of who's the decision maker, who owns this thing, or if they own the decision or not, what level do they need to be engaged? Mm-hmm. Do they just need to be aware or can these decisions be made completely without them? You know, And so um, really, really valuable stuff. Even if, and I, I don't think this will happen, I certainly hope it doesn't happen because it'd be uh, a bummer to look back at uh, that activity as being wasted time, but... Um, the worst case scenario is we talk about uh, these things and we at least get a little clarity on what people care about or what they feel they should be making a decision on. Um, a perfect scenario, right, is there's clearly decision makers right. accountable for certain things throughout the whole team. And um, 
So yeah, Adam, tell us more, maybe structure and how to do it. Yeah, so uh, we, we stole this idea from a book, uh, and I will link to it because now I can't, right at this moment, I can't remember the name of it, which I should have written down. <laughs> um, but it is uh, this process to build an accountable team. And the idea behind it is that there are, there are very few or no really high-performing teams that are non-accountable teams. Mm-hmm. And accountable teams know what they're doing, when they're doing it, who's responsible for it, and are able to, uh, and are able to self-guide and are able to help each other and are able to talk about real issues and move things forward. And we, uh, this is a process that we are going to work into over 2023 and beyond to try and get us to really feeling like we're an accountable team. There are a lot of moving parts to do it. And the very first one we chose to do was to look at this decision matrix. And, uh, and it can, we know it can be confusing because we have a team of six and of the team of six, two of us are leaders. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the whole creative team reports to me, which makes, Everything, but obviously everything that happens on the team is Ben's responsibility. If we screw everything up, buck stops with Ben. So, uh, but it's not fair. What to, if everything goes really well? Does it still stop? Um, there's a possibility for yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> then Ben gets all the credit. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Just want to be sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, you know, this is a thing that Ben and I have been working on for a couple, for now, like a little over a year. Yeah. Um, because we had to, when I was promoted to oversee that team, we had to start dividing responsibility. Right. And I had to take some some of that stuff off of Ben's plate and start making some of that make sense, at least in our world. Yeah. So what the decision matrix does is it takes all of the decisions that we do. Ultimately, we haven't gotten there yet. Right. We have to finish it. Yeah. Uh, all of the decisions we make and like, down to pretty granular decisions, what we're going to post on social media, what are the pictures we use, you know, those everyday decisions, um, up to budgeting, hiring, you know, those really high-level decisions, and puts them in black and white, and we're able to say who's responsible for those decisions, uh, of if it is not Ben or I that are responsible for the decisions, how involved do we have to be? So you can rate yourself, uh, rate your involvement on a four-point scale, uh, one being that's my decision to make and uh, everybody else can go peddle your papers, <laughs> two being uh, it is someone else's decision to make, but you'll make it with my input, three being it is your decision to make, but I want to know you're making it, and four being do your thing, use the picture of the funny dog, I don't need to know (laughs) any of that stuff. So it was really interesting and enlightening to me to see uh, some of the things. I, you know, you don't really ever think about how many decisions people are making Hmm. and what is on their mind as far as decisions. So that was cool. Yeah. Because we had the team bring all of the decisions they could think of. Right. And some of them brought like hyper personal examples, some of them brought things that were, really, you know, company-wide decisions. And we just listed them all out and we talked and we put them on that matrix and we talked about uh, who owns them. Some of them 
you know, either Ben or I own, and that's it. Yeah. And uh, that is the heavy hang, heavy hangs the head that wears the crown. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> others are team decisions. Others are, you know, we found a few that aren't even really our decisions, but they come out of our department. Right. So it, it, it was interesting to see it all in black and white. Yeah. We have to continue building that matrix because we ran out of time. Yeah. And actually, after after the day, I went and looked back. I paged through the book again, and he says, suggests you take three hours to do it. Okay. So that would explain why in that hour we didn't get it done. <laughs> we didn't right. get done. Yeah. But yeah, my favorite part about it was honestly some of the. Uh, probably not the right word, smaller decisions that we make that for us to just go through the exercise and say, yeah, that is your decision to make. I don't even need to know about it. How that was simultaneously like a weight off of our shoulders and also empowering to the person mm-hmm. who gets to make the decision now, right? So like both sides like really win, like, oh, cool. I, I know I can just make this decision now. Right. Um, and then others are like, oh, free me of that thing, you know, not, yeah. not, not because you hate it or anything, but just like, but now like let's you know. not take the Let, time. Why, why do this? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the interesting next step will be, uh, once we have it all worked out, get everything on there is to talk about the accountability behind those. Yeah. So, you know, really to start to have what can be hard decisions, which is, you know, when something doesn't turn out the way that we want it to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if we have said, like, that's your decision to make, make a good decision, make good choices, and it doesn't turn out the way we're, we've expected, well, that doesn't mean that decision reverts back to me. Right. Because you made a poor choice. That means you learn from your choice. and yep. we Opportunity keep, to talk, coach. Yeah, yeah. We keep, to, we keep learning and growing. So yeah, very cool. Very cool. And something you'll hear more about. Yeah. So speaking of that, we, we are very much running out of time. We're, we have ran out yeah. of time. We are. How about, can you give uh, the elevator pitch for what we want to shift for the podcast for next year and that oh, That's so scary. Year? That's like a commitment now. Well, maybe oh. tease it and we'll, okay. we'll maybe use a first version of that uh, episode to explain more, dive in. Because okay. honestly, we might need that. Yeah. So here's the teaser for this. Building an accountable team is a process, and you don't go overnight being a regular team that you think is high-performing until you look at some of the bad habits you have or some of the things that you're not succeeding at um, to suddenly being, you know, the most uh, highly accountable, high-performing team in the world. Uh, it There are a lot of habits you have to change. Some of them are very scary habits. I already mentioned, you know, one of the things that accountable, highly accountable teams do is they deal with real issues together. Right. So that is saying, like, if someone's not doing their job, that's the whole team being comfortable that we have a conversation that you're not doing your job together. It's not, yeah. you know, one coworker going to another coworker and saying, you should go talk to Sue and they should, and tell her that this person should be doing that thing. That's, that's not how an accountable team does it. So... Uh, the decision matrix is a place to start Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of other conversations we have to have and what we are talking what we're thinking we're going to do is we're going to expand we're going to share some of that journey with our podcast listeners throughout the next year and have special episodes i'm so scared to say this out loud it's okay do it 
I'm so we're gonna. So, this is accountability. Okay, here we go. So we're gonna do. We're gonna move from one episode a month at the end of the month to doing two episodes. One of those episodes early in the month, and we will have to tell you when that will. We have to schedule those yet. Yeah. Um, we'll be all about building our accountable team, and we don't know. It's a new idea, so we don't know what form that's gonna take. Yeah. We know we'll be talking about it. We know we'll be talking about our successes, our challenges, our barriers, yeah. and things. Um, but. If you don't talk about the things you intend to do, especially if it's a good idea, right? you don't hold yourself responsible to do them. So yeah. that is how we're going to, in public, hold ourselves responsible. Yeah. Sometimes I think we're a little too transparent. You know that? <laughs> this is good. No, it's good. <laughs> now our audience have uh, been voluntold uh, yeah. to be uh, accountability partners with us here. Yeah, they'll, I love that. And hopefully all seriousness uh, will be... Um, on the journey with us, right? And yeah. Maybe learning with us. Maybe we'll be learning from them, like saying, "Hey, that's a thing I tried, and here's how it went." So we'd love to hear some of that feedback for sure. But yeah. and yeah, like you said, we'll see what shape it takes. Exactly how things time out, but um, we've just committed to it. So let's right. do it, and I'm excited. It's going to be yeah. good. Yeah. I think that'll be fun. So more to come on that. Uh, we need to quickly shift into our closing segment where we, we sure share do. something awesome, which is our opportunity to share recommendations for things that happened, things we've heard, watched, uh, experienced, et cetera, et cetera. And I will kick us off by sharing, um, well, first off, kind of a double recommendation or uh, double share here. I started listening to Smartless which is a long-running podcast now with Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. Just started listening to it like a couple weeks ago, which one benefit to being, um, well, one, driving as much as I am nowadays, and two, um, being behind on a really awesome podcast is you can just listen to it all the time. So I've been listening to it a bunch. Um, So uh, plug for that one. I I absolutely love it. It's super hilarious, so much fun, um, and... uh, But the one I actually want to talk about is uh, something that I stumbled upon in listening to the Smartless episode where Anderson Cooper was the guest. Um, And he, um, you know, you got to learn a lot of cool stuff about him and his family, which is absolutely unbelievable. And I knew none of it uh, about his um, mother being a Vanderbilt and um, just this like fashion icon, uh, just an unbelievable story that Anderson Cooper has that I knew nothing about. Um, But he also talked a little bit about uh, a new podcast that he was starting called All There Is, which is all about grief. Um, And uh, I actually, for some reason, listened to an episode this morning where we're we're recording this on a Monday and I listened to it like while I was getting ready this morning um, after most of the family had gotten out of the house. And um, it just... uh, I don't know, grief is this weird thing that, you know, like we don't talk about or fully experience as Americans because we're like afraid to talk about it and stuff and it's weird and like, so um, I lost a brother in 2002 and, you know, my experience with grief around that has like changed over the 20 years that he's been gone and will probably change until I die, right? But um just hearing Anderson Cooper talk about his grief and his experience with the death of his dad when he was young, a brother when he was really young, um, and just some of the like similarities of like these milestones and moments that happen in your life when something tragic happens, whether it's death of family or you know anything else that might um, 
put someone through the experience of grief, um, it was just really interesting to hear some of the similarities and like, oh yeah, I totally experienced that thing too. Or, um, so like one example is he talked about, um, actually, no, I'm sorry. On the episode, he was talking with Stephen Colbert, who also has, um, some interesting, um, previous experience with, well, current experience, right. With grief and, um, losing some, uh, he lost his dad and two brothers really suddenly, uh, everyone really young. And um, he talks about how life before that moment is kind of difficult to remember. Like um, all of his memories are kind of like pieced together. Like I kind of remember that part of my life or whatever, but it's just not a clear, vivid memory, like everything that's happened since then, you know. And um, so just really interesting because I totally have that too. Like I actually like kind of struggle to remember things that happened in high school and middle school and stuff. And sure, that was 20 years ago, so I'm sure that's part of it. <laughs> but also, um, you know, there was this big thing that happened in my life that um, gave me new perspective and awareness of my emotions and the world that I think has changed the way that my brain remembers things. You know, so just one experience that he shared that, um, you know, this is we're talking about grief here, which like I say, we don't really like to talk about cause it can make us cry and make us sad and stuff. Um, but it's also like super interesting and just something that, you know, easier said than done. Like we need to be comfortable with and like, it needs to be a part of our life. It's part of the human experience. And so anyways, uh, if you've experienced some grief, it's probably a podcast that you'd get some great, um, value out of. And if you're a, I don't know, I don't even want to say lucky one because I think like I said, grief is part of the human experience. But if you haven't experienced anything huge like that in your life, um, maybe listening to it to prepare you for when something does happen because mm-hmm. guess what? It's going to. Yeah. Something's going to happen in your life that's going to just crush you. Um, maybe listening to the podcast prepares you or at least gets you in a spot where you're willing and open to accept grief because it's just an important part of life and being a human and it's it's beautiful that's the thing i think is it really is beautiful but it takes some time Mm -hmm. and awareness to get to beauty with grief as opposed to hating it or dreading it you know so i went way deeper on that than i really wanted to but um all there is with anderson cooper we'll share a link it's awesome very good very good uh another thing if as long as we're thinking about grief, this is not this was not the recommendation I planned, but just wait until you see how this all ties together. Yeah. Uh, a book that I read over the summer called, called "The Orphaned Adult." Mm. If you are if you lost a parent mm. or both parents, was really eye opening for me. Mm. So I would definitely recommend, and it's a super short read, but if you are still sort of working through that grief, it's a tough one. Okay, but. Yeah. Yeah, but really, really good, The Orphaned Adult. Got it. And I'll share a link to that. And speaking, and it really does, so I I usually try and recommend something that people can act, actually get involved in, like a book or a podcast. But this time, I had just a very exciting moment, but it actually does relate to grief because um, my dad is uh, has been a hobbyist with Model A, Fords, yeah, like my whole life, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna keep it together here. I'm okay. <laughs> uh, so he has, he has three. Of, he had three of them. 
sitting in his garage and in various different states of disrepair. And uh, my mother passed away. And when she was sick, uh, she apparently they had a conversation and she said, whatever you do, you don't get rid of those cars, right? But for, so she passed in March, 2021 and for 18 months, he didn't touch them. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, I mean, and he has, he actually built a whole other part of his garage. So he would have room to have four cars in the garage. <laughs> um, so they weren't really in the way, but, yeah. uh, he didn't, he didn't touch any of them for like 18 months. And, uh, one of them had been running, had some problems. He was frustrated. He was depressed. He didn't want to do anything with it. And, uh, finally he started to <clears throat> have a little more interest in life. You know, things, uh, he just started to get a little like puttery with things and we kept encouraging him, uh, work on the car, work on the car. Cause the one was so close. Yeah. There was a problem with the rear end, uh, and the steering and the radiator, but it, it was fully assembled. The other ones aren't fully assembled. Um, and we finally convinced him, uh, because I think he, I think he felt like number one, what's the point of anything? Number two, there were just enough things wrong with it that once you start, He's just going to get frustrated and depressed and he didn't want to do it. Yeah. So we offered to buy him a new radiator for his, for Father's Day, I think it was. <laughs> and P.S. radiators for, new radiators for Model A's, very expensive. <laughs> but, uh, and that ended up being backward. We didn't have to buy it anyway. But that's not the point. The point is this. We, we did, we helped him, my brother and I, and my husband helped him a little bit, um, like taking the rear end off of a car is a little bit of a project. Yeah, and he's seventy-eight years old, and yeah, uh, and he puttered around with it all summer, and he finally, you know, I, I gave him, we give we give each other a lot of grief in our family, and one of the things I gave him started giving him grief about was that he always let my brother drive his cars. Uh, and I never got to drive one of his old cars. Now, I am a chaos goblin. I understand why when I was a teenager, he didn't let me drive his car. <laughs> it makes total sense to me. <laughs> but uh, I'm not a teenager anymore. And it was always like one of those things that I regret. And I, you know, for the last couple of years, I was like, yeah, that's probably done. I'm not going to get a chance because he's, the cars aren't going to, he's not going to work on them. Yeah. So, uh on Saturday, he got that one. It's a 31 Ford uh, <clears throat> Touring, in case you wondered. Nice. <laughs> um, and he got the final things done on it. He put radiator fluid in it. He put gas in it. He started it up. There was a tiny little leak, which he fixed. Yeah. And I got to drive it nice. on Saturday just to put it away, to store it for the year, because now we got it running now. It's too late to do anything. Right. Yeah. So that was that was a long journey to get to there, but that was my experience to get to. And they're super hard to drive mm-hmm. uh, compared to there. There's nothing about. Because well, like no power steering or anything. No power like that, steering. Right? Yeah. The brakes are 
casual. Yeah, right. So you got to like stand on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to really stand on the brakes. The the pedals are different. Well, no, I see. I drive a standard transmission. My own car is a standard yeah. transmission, so that I'm used to. Mm. But what I didn't know is that when you shift, so this is a three speed. Mm. Uh, when you shift, the transmissions are just made so differently. Every time you go into gear, it grinds the gear. Okay. So every time it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> and so that's, <laughs> yeah, takes some getting used to, I'm sure. Yeah. But, yeah. and we topped out at 35 miles an hour. Oh, flying. I know. So, that's awesome. That was my experience. It was great. Yeah, super cool. That's, yeah. that's great. So maybe, yeah. I don't know, are we going to get like a picture or something? I or? did take a picture okay. before we put it away so I can share that picture. That'd be super cool. It's a beautiful car. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, friends, thanks for hanging in there. This was a long all one for sure. All six hours of this but, podcast. Yeah, um, but all good, we hope. And um, really excited to see how this planning conversation and what we have in store for next year helps um, guide some new episodes into next year too. So yeah, stay tuned for all that. Um, and you know, speaking of the picture that I'm going to share and some of the links we talked about and uh, information on the books, which I uh, poorly remembered. We will share all of that, and you can get that wherever you get your favorite podcasts because um, we hope that we are one of your favorite podcasts. So go to your podcast app, or you can always uh, check out all of that information and a little blurb about every podcast and other things that we have going on right on our blog, and that is exclamationcuso.com slash blog. Very nice. Thank you, Sue. And thank you, friends, for tuning in. These are your self-proclaimed professors of awesomeology, Ben and Sue, reminding you that life's awesome if you make it awesome. We'll see you next time.